everybody, and welcome to the Total Soccer Show. I am your host for today, Taylor Rockwell. Once again, Daryl Grove is resting at home, is out of the hospital, should be back and on the show uh, Friday. We'll be doing some listener questions. We'll be doing Richmond Kickers Weekly. Lots of content coming out, which will feature Daryl Grove. But until then, I'm going to be talking to Pablo Mar of The Athletic. Pablo is a person we've wanted to have on the show for a, a good long while. He came down to Richmond this past weekend for the Richmond Kickers Ford Madison game. We got to talk and we got to hanging out. Uh, lots of great people were in town. And it was a good reminder that, again, we really wanted to have Pablo on because he brings a wealth of experience, a wealth of knowledge, but he's also not afraid to kind of articulate his perspective and his opinion. And that was a thing I really wanted because I wanted to get into sort of deeper levels about how, like, uh, MLS players interact on social media and the kind of repercussions of that. But then also looking at the situation with the Iron Front and how Major League Soccer has dealt with that, how it might end up working out or not working out. Uh, Pablo has some thoughts on that. But then we get into, like, Major League Soccer in general, uh, looking at DC United to start, but then sort of the teams that Pablo has enjoyed the most, how he thinks the season could play out. Uh, lots of great varying conversations in there. Uh, and also a little bit about kind of his experiences as, as a journalist, like hearing from angry coaches and front office people versus hearing uh, nice things from coaches and front office people. Um, he's had both of those, I would say. Uh, so I will stop with that, other than to say that I really enjoyed this conversation. I appreciated Pablo's kind of candid response to some difficult questions and some difficult topics. And I hope you all will as well. I should add, because we're talking about Iron Front, because we're talking about MLS players on social media, we're probably also going to be talking about some things that some people may not enjoy. And so I'm just going to kind of throw that in as a disclaimer that I think Pablo and I would both say that we're admittedly left-leaning. I genuinely don't think that has a massive impact on this conversation because I think we tried to stick to the story itself and what has happened and what may happen from here. Uh, but if you maybe are not going to look forward to the perspectives of two people from that perspective, then I I would just say maybe this episode is not for you. I hope you'll still listen. Um, but I say that to say that if this like stokes your outrage, then that is not what we were going for. And maybe that's on you. Uh, but we shall see. Uh, I'll let you be the judge of that one. If you're still listening, then thank you. And I hope you enjoy. Joining me now making his, I believe, TSS debut. It's Mr. Pablo Mar of The Athletic. Pablo, thank you very much for taking the time. Thanks. Yeah, I guess I was, uh, I was a guest on the, li- the live show with the uh, cool again. So mm-hmm. it doesn't count. I don't know. <laughs> well, that's, a hybrid kind of event, I guess. Yeah, I suppose that, that's a good point. That that is the uh, the new tradition is I say it's a person's first time, and then they remind me of a time they were on the show like six years ago. So yes, I'm I'm glad that uh you could do that. I'm glad we got to hang out this weekend. Uh, you came down for the Richmond uh, Ford Madison game. Do you feel like you went full Mingo this past weekend, or was it more of like a partial Mingo situation for you? Yeah, it was. A, I think it was a partial Mingo. Uh, mostly just ended up uh, drinking beers and and talking to. You and some other folks, although I, I did uh, I did walk away with a with a free jersey, which certainly you know yeah sure I went full my guess. Did did you reconsider that because you remember the jersey and then you remember that they sized it correctly? Is that when it became full mango status? I, I did. Yeah, you could probably hear it just in my brain right then when I was like, oh wait, they gave me something. Yeah, yeah, full mango for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I want to start there. Like, uh, it seems like this is a thing you enjoy doing. You do somewhat regularly, at least once a season. I think is what you tweeted. Why do you enjoy making these sort of road trips to see uh, lower league soccer? I mean, you know, like I, I started covering soccer obviously because I love the game, and I, I grew up a soccer fan. Grew up in Spain. And, um, you know, since I started doing it, uh, you know, at first on the side freelancing and now full time, um, much of that romance obviously disappears. It's sort of like, uh, once you see how the sausage is made kind of thing, you know, you don't want to eat it anymore. So 
you know, at least once a year, it's good to sort of um, free yourself of any any kind of professional responsibilities to a game and uh, and just drive somewhere and just go watch a match, you know, like like I used to, whatever, 10, 15 years ago when I when I enjoyed doing that. Um, you know, I think uh, certainly USL is, is a little bit more well cut out for that because I, I don't cover USL a ton and, um, you know, I have uh, like professional obligation to cover um everybody in mls objectively mm-hmm. that sort of stuff so it's it's good just to to go and chill and drink a beer eat a slice of pizza and, and watch soccer um kind of remind myself why i got into it <laughs> um and and you have been writing uh quite a bit for the athletic obviously uh ranging from some like pop culture pieces was it like the all the times mls has appeared in pop culture was that one of them Definitely not all the times, but it was it was the ten. There it is. Still tongue in cheek, obviously, but it was like the ten most notable times. Um, which it's a short list. I mean, nonetheless, <laughs> has not really thrust itself into the public consciousness on any regular basis, you know. But um, but yeah, no, I I, I definitely uh, enjoy doing sort of tongue-in-cheek kind of pieces like that so you do those more serious stuff yeah that's (laughs) i was gonna ask you about that next because i I enjoy that one but i also enjoy the piece uh on athletes like kind of choosing to speak out on social media when they choose to how they choose to and the backlash they may face what made you want to explore that idea um i don't know i think it's it's fascinating it's like a a pretty nuanced thing i mean i was uh, i I, the idea popped in my head after you know i was i was there covering the game that um where Bedoya, you know, went off into a, a field side microphone. He had been uh, tweeting pretty, um, pretty loudly, I guess, in the, in the days building up to that. And I've always just been fascinated by, um, by you know, what makes an athlete choose to speak up on an issue like that. Because I mean, the, the vast majority, 85, 90%, really more, 95% probably of MLS guys um, just use their social to you know, throw up kind of boilerplate tweets about the team or games or, you know, offer somebody a little bit of insight into their personal life. Um, whereas guys like uh, Bedoya, Brad Evans, um, uh, Sasha Question, uh, those guys go go sort of ham on their Twitter about political issues. Um, so it's always been kind of fascinating to me. Um, I do think there's something to be said. I mean, yeah, I don't think there's ever been a study on this. I think it'd be pretty hard to prove, but I I do generally think that MLS skews the left both um, as far as its player base goes and also its fan base goes. So, you know, the other thing that's worth noting is it's not, it's not like the riskiest move to tweet about that stuff. I think even Brad Evans said, yeah, it's very rare that I'll get, you know, some loud, obnoxious person disagreeing with one of those tweets in my mentions. Um, you know, typically the people that follow those players know what they're about and are prepared for that sort of stuff. You know, but um, but that that to me is an interest, interesting dynamic too. Mm-hmm. But strangely enough, I try to get a hold of um, a few players, uh, current and former, that I'd noticed um, that I either like heard they were sort of right leaning, or I'd noticed them occasionally tweeting kind of right leaning stuff. And and uh, the ones that responded, they didn't want to talk to the piece. I think one of them just straight up said, "You know, I like my job." So mm-hmm. um, I think even they might, might realize that, you know, if they tweet something like that out They're they're tweeting it out into like a, a very left wing, uh, progressive, uh, sort of fan base. That's just going to turn them apart for it. 
So they don't maybe face too much of a backlash. Uh, it did seem like you sort of faced a little bit of one, not surprisingly, in the comments section. That's where those things happen. Um, there was like a lot of the comments not necessarily worth going into, but one sort of consistent refrain I saw was the idea that like we want athletes to speak out when we agree with them or when they're popular opinions, but not when we don't. And yeah, you mentioned into those right-leaning players. What do you make of that argument? I mean, I think I think it's sort of bullshit when people are like, uh, I don't, you know, I don't know about anybody else. I don't feel the need to create like a safe space for somebody with, um, well, just you to use abortion as as an example. If somebody is quote unquote pro life or doesn't believe in a um, a woman's right to just make healthcare decisions about her own body, mm-hmm. like I don't like obviously that person is going to get shouted down. That, that has nothing to do to me with like. Um, Twitter, you know, MLS Twitter being this like liberal thought bubble that to me has to do more with the fact that like America as a whole, especially, especially the sort of like 18 to 34 year old demographic college educated, like the people that MLS are sort of like marketing to like the majority of those people are pro-choice and like have progressive views, you know? So um, when someone's like, yeah, I mean, I'm sure more players would like voice their anti-gun control beliefs if people were tolerant of those views. I mean, it's going to be tolerant of those views, you know, like now, like that being said, I mean, like they're, yeah, I mean, I guess if a, if a player wanted to express some sort of like, you know, views on economic policy or foreign diplomacy, whatever that were like a little more right-leaning, yeah, I mean, maybe I would be more inclined to be like, oh, okay, well, you know, that person should definitely be able to sort of have a venue to to speak their mind without getting shouted down. But no, I mean, I'm completely thrilled to see people's ignorant views getting shouted down on Twitter when they're, <laughs> when they're you know, like, um, when they're truly sort of like a, a danger to public safety and, and just human rights issues, you know. So you mentioned earlier, like Major League Soccer kind of targets the 18 to 34 demographic. You feel like it's a little bit more left leaning, uh, which makes it to me all the more surprising that things have gone the way they have when it comes to the iron front flag. Have you been surprised by MLS sort of pursuing the route that they've taken? Uh, no, um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I wish I could say that I was surprised, but mm-hmm. I think they they tend to try and be hands off with this sort of stuff and like not make anybody angry um they could probably take a lesson from other companies that have just openly sided with progressive causes and ended up making more money because of that um that that does confuse me i'm like well it seems even like the smart business decision here is to just be like yes you can express yourself freely in the stadium um so no i'm not surprised even even i think though that like that issue um there are like nuances that people aren't talking about um, obviously Twitter, MLS Twitter, any Twitter is, is like a really polarized place. And I think that's a complicated issue. Um, but am I surprised that MLS hasn't like been really proactive about, you know, allowing supporters to display what they consider political symbols? No, not at all. Do you feel like talking about some of those nuances here? Cause I, I would like to know like what you think maybe is, is getting missed in some of the uh, conversation. Um, I don't know. You know, I think like, when I when I sort of look at the issue as a whole, um, first of all, I completely think that any any supporter, any supporters group should be able to use that iron front symbol. I think it's like ridiculous that this is even an issue. What I will say though is, um, I think it is 
maybe MLS supporters do have this luxury, and I, I would call it a luxury of living in this sort of um, with this sort of liberal fan base, which is something that I love about MLS, to be clear. But at the same time, I think it's easy to say, um, yeah, you know, we should all have the right to express ourselves freely. Well, I don't know, man. I, I'm not sure I want to go to a game and like see like a Make America great again banner at a game mm -hmm. and when you talk to any number of supporters about what they would do in that situation it's always like well we sort of self-regulate that or that person would be you know shouted down or sort of ostracized and to me i do sometimes think that that sounds like an invitation to like a confrontation possibly a violent one um so I guess what I'm saying is, you know, like, yeah, I, I obviously, you know, I tend to agree with where all these supporters groups are, are coming from. And I, I definitely commend, um, you know, ECS, Timbers Army, all these groups that are really putting their money where their mouth is and walking out, not showing up, that sort of stuff. Um, I just think that maybe, like, there needs to be a more thought out plan for what happens if you do end up with, you know, like, if the majority then ends up facing, a, you know, a minority that's that's displaying something truly objectionable you know um i don't know if like self-regulating is really the answer there that just seems like sketchy to me you understand what i'm saying yeah um, I, t I totally do and like like i'll apologize in advance if this becomes a, a rambling sort of monologue but mm -hmm. like that's the thing that i have i have struggled with a little bit because on the one hand we have had people respond to me and daryl talking about this by saying like oh uh iron front is like this very leftist very violent organization like obviously that's not true and i do think that it's sort of there has been a move to paint it as this like far left violent like oppositional group when they are not but i think that that has been done in order to make Make it seem like this is obviously a thing that shouldn't be there, whereas I do think it's more nuanced. But I also think that your perspective is is accurate. I agree with that entirely, and it's a thing that I've wondered. Is like, like my dad asked me, like, well, what's going on with the Iron Front thing? Like, what happens if they fly like uh, a really conservative thing? And I don't have an answer to that because I think you're absolutely right that it's like it's not. I don't have any objection to the Iron Front flag, but like personally speaking, I would not want to see a MAGA flag, and and I think that is what exactly. makes it hard for me. Is like I understand why I think it should be allowed to fly and why it shouldn't be an issue. But then at the same time, I do sort of see if you then put yourself in the like conservative perspective, why you wouldn't want to see certain uh, flags being flown. But that's when it comes down to, for me, Adam Snavely, our friend, wrote a, a good piece for The Athletic, kind of going through the history of the Iron Front and how like this flag's actually been flown since what, like 2017, I think was his point. And yeah. like, it's only now been brought to the attention. And I think that's where MLS has really made a dramatic misstep is that I didn't know what that was until this started happening. And it feels like they brought attention to it to then have to deal with it, whereas there are other ways that they could have uh, dealt with it a bit more discreetly, if that makes sense. Yeah, you know, I think what I do think about, like, use the example of a MAGA flag, and, you know, there is part of me in my head that's like, ah, oh, that would never happen. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, there's, like, actual Nazis in MLS stadiums. You know what I mean? So <laughs> I shouldn't I mean, laugh, but yes, I just take your point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, there there are segments of fan bases. What I've, what I've found generally is that um, MLS fan bases are relatively representative of the communities that they're in. And, like, there are certain fan bases i'm not gonna go into it that like you know their fans maybe their and owners views are a little more regressive than uh other clubs you know and so like yeah i don't know i don't know man like i could see something like that happening and i just think to myself all right what happens in that case and i guess the realistic answer is yeah then you you will probably have 
a bunch of supporters shouting at that person or like forcing him out of the stadium or something like that. And it just seems like a recipe for disaster. Mm-hmm. But, but you know, man, I don't have the answer then. Yeah. It, it's like so complicated. And I'm really, really relieved to see that like um, the ISC and MLS and like all these groups are getting together and figuring it out because it really is going to take like a, a collective sort of um, group kind of thought process to, to wade through this. It's just, it's just more complicated than, than people are, are, are making it sound, you know? So mm-hmm. like, I'm, I'm happy that it seems like people are putting their heads together. Yeah. I mean, I, I still think I take a, a more of an approach of like, I forget what Supreme court justice it was who like delivered the, the majority opinion on like pornography and the idea of like, I know it when I see it. And I guess that's kind of how I feel. Yeah. It's like, if I see a thing that is overtly political, I know it's overtly political to me, the iron front symbol was not even a political thing because I didn't really know what it was. I feel like the majority of people didn't know what it was until it was made clear that it was a political symbol. And I think maybe that for me is where that line is a little bit. But to your point, that's why I'm happy I'm not kind of in charge of figuring all this out because that, again, requires a lot of nuance and probably is like biased in one way and not the other. And and I do think it makes it that much harder to discuss and figure out. I And I don't really know where we go from here because it doesn't feel like the fans are going to stop flying the banners and stop having the protests. And thus far, it seems like Major League Soccer is okay with continuing on the path they've been pursuing. So, I mean, I don't really want to ask I you. Think like, it's gonna, go ahead. I think it's going to end up in the Supreme Court, apparently. I don't know. <laughs> we get like Justice, uh, I guess, I think it was Potter Stewart. Was the Thank you. You're talking yes, about. it was. I think, I think he's been, been dead for 30 or 40 years. But yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know how it's going to conclude. Um, uh, one thing I would say is like, I just think that if the if, if fans really genuinely want to affect change, and I know this is like a huge sacrifice for fans and communities where they waited like five years to even get season tickets because some of these teams are so popular, but like they have to like en masse stop showing up. I mean, they have to leave supporter sections empty. Like it's generally my attitude about affecting any kind of change in this country is, you know, the, your, your most powerful weapon is your wallet, you know, like, <laughs> Hit these dudes where it hurts, like embarrass them publicly. I mean, you want to watch a Timbers game? I, you know, as far as the television product goes, to me, the best TV product in MLS is any game at Providence Park, mm. right? Because, like, just you feel the atmosphere and the fans are so crazy, you know, and to watch one of those games with a completely empty supporters section, you know, assuming the Timbers wouldn't have the gall to, like, fill those seats with just GA tickets or something. Um, that that to me would be impactful, you know. And and again, like I respect the measures that they have taken, and I think maybe eventually it will get there. But um, but no, I mean I think the fans should keep yeah keep at it. I I admire I admire this tremendously, you know, what they're doing. So yeah, and I think you tweeted. Did, was it you was tweeting about how like uh, when ECS left that it was like a very quiet atmosphere than on in the Seattle game? Yeah, I mean it sounded like a morgue. That's another stadium where it's like the fans make the TV product, you know, and like just to watch that game. It just sounded like a game at Gillette stadium or something like that, you know? Um, so no, I mean, I think, I think they have all the control at the end of the day. Much more still to come from my conversation with Mr. Pablo Maher, but first I wanted to let you know that today's episode of the Total Soccer Show is brought to you by our friends over at Fields. Are you uh, an MLS executive who maybe thought you could exert your authority and get the fans to do exactly what you wanted, but then slowly found out that maybe that wasn't going to be the case, and now you're uh, panicked and anxious and nervous about what's to come? Then maybe you should try Fields. Their premium CBD will keep your head clear and help you feel your best so that you can sort of deal with the self-inflicted dumpster fire that now exists. 
Uh, CBD has been proven to greatly reduce anxiety, pain, and sleeplessness. But it is the case that navigating the world of CBD can be complicated. You might see it like in a grocery store or in a gas station or something like that. At Feels, they make the process as simple as possible so you can start feeling better sooner. But if you're unfamiliar with CBD, essentially it comes in like a little dropper with a glass bottle. Uh, you place a few drops of feels under your tongue. You feel the difference within minutes, uh, but it naturally helps reduce stress, anxiety, pain, sleeplessness, as I said. But the biggest thing is that there is no risk of a high or hangover or addiction, anything like that. So you can just feel better and get back to running your league without creating uh, massively distracting sideshows that cause immense problems when it comes to public relations. Um, so if you would like to try feels and not have to deal with that anxiety and uh, sleeplessness, then you can become a member today by going to feels.com slash TSS, and you'll get 50% off your order with free shipping. That's F-E-A-L-S dot com slash TSS to become a member and get 50% automatically taken off your first order with free shipping. Once again, that's feels.com slash TSS. Thank you very much to Feels for sponsoring today's episode. Now back to my chat with Pablo Mar. Well, so I don't want to just ask you complicated social questions. I also want to ask you complicated journalistic <laughs> questions um, because I am not a journalist. I would like to say that up front, but I am like sort of yeah. fascinated by how journalists operate and what their experiences are like. And like, like for you, like I was, I, this came to mind because I was reading your piece about uh, Audi Field and kind of like some of the construction problems that have happened. Uh, Taylor Twelman, I, I think, almost being burned alive by the sun was in there. Um, and I wonder, like, like when you write that sort of piece, do you hear back from the front office? Do you hear from people at DC United being like, come on, man, like, oh, this isn't the case. Or like, oh, like, but we're doing this. Like, do you get a sort of backlash when you write things that are critical of organizations? I mean, uh, look, I don't act to be the world's greatest journalist, but I would say if I have like one or, you know, three or four rules, and one of them is definitely um, to treat any subjects 100% fairly. And that a lot of times that means giving them every opportunity to respond to anything in a piece. Um, and I definitely do that with DC United. I mean, that, that piece, I, you know, it took me probably a day and a half to work through them on, Hey, I, well, this is what I found and what's your response to this. I mean, that's one, one reason I ended up getting, I think Andy Bush, the CFO for that piece was, you know, the team obviously felt the need to put their, um, I'll just say give their take on things or sort of like provide, um, you know, information to, to inform some of the information that I reported, um, I mean, if the question is, like, do people get pissed off? Yes. I mean, all the time. That would be, like, uh, it's cliche, but it's definitely an indicator that you're doing your job right. Mm -hmm. You know, but I found that, like, there's just only so angry someone can get at you if you report on something objectively, you're reporting sound, and, and you, you know, you just lay facts out there. I mean, there was one, there was one piece where it was, like, uh, maybe two months before the stadium opened, I reported on the Sun thing. I had a source. I got a hold of a Sun study that the ESPN had commissioned about the stadium, and I wrote a long piece for an, uh, an outlet down here, DCist, that um, kind of laid out all the issues with the stadium, issues with you know getting fans in promptly, the roof, um, issues with maybe the front office being understaffed, and yeah, that that really, really upset some people. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> like, even though they were given the opportunity, they still it was still you know, pretty uncomfortable to deal with, but um, it's my job to make people uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah Plus, I, you know, there's, there's, if, you, if you want to keep it with DC United, there's other stories that I've written about them that are incredibly positive because they, they're, they are doing some things right. They do have decent um, people working for the team and, 
you know, there are definitely good stories to be told and I'm always happy to tell those stories. Um, but I'm usually happier to write something interesting. <laughs> All right, well, let, well, let's keep going with DC then for a minute. Uh, Wayne Rooney's gotten a lot of attention uh, since he announced he was leaving DC uh, early to become player coach of Derby County. Uh, he's been accused of like being checked out. That's been kind of talked about at length. My, my question is, it feels to me like he's been more outspoken and more kind of open about his feelings about the league. He came out yesterday talking about how players need more money. He thought he's had issues with charter flights and officiating. Do you think he started to get more outspoken as he's kind of come to the uh, end of his time in Major League Soccer? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think he's um, – look, Wayne, is, if you're around the team frequently, it's it's not hard to see um, he is an ideal teammate off the field. I mean, he is very close to probably 50% of that locker room. Um, he's close to a lot of the guys that are the union reps, um, you know, for DC United. And I have no doubt that one of those guys, you know, kind of got in his ear a little bit and said, hey, dude, you're – you know, you don't have to worry about pissing anybody off at some point. You should, you know, start throwing a couple of Molotovs or whatever. Um, and, and so, yeah, no, I definitely feel he's been more outspoken. Um, and he has a huge platform. He has like 17 million Twitter followers or something like that, you know. So um, it's, it's been good to see that, you know. Um, I, I imagine I'll continue. As far as I'm being tuned out, yeah, it's been, uh, <laughs> I guess it's been tough to, tough to watch occasionally just because, he he missed that spat of games with red card suspensions, with you know missing a game to deal with his family issues abroad, uh, illness, another game. Um, but I generally have the attitude about Wayne, and this actually goes for probably most high level DPs that um, you don't get to that point in your career by being able to just be like, okay, well I'm out of here, so I'm just gonna like you know clock in and put in a depth and clock out um it's just not the way his brain works you know um not the way his brain works in training not the way his brain works in games and you know of course every now and then you get like a steven gerard or something like that that really is here just to knock the ball around but uh, uh rooney is is not that person you know um i think i put a cap on that by saying that like he he did you know he's had his struggles here sort of in the summer lull that United's gone through but every single person on that team has I mean Lucho um, even a player like Paul Yerola, who's like been really their most consistent performer I think for two years uh, you know he struggled all these guys have struggled um, so I think it's just sort of like speak, speaks to the general more the general state of United than, than just Wayne. Um, so I want to get to Acosta in a second, but I had one more question about Rooney because with everything you've said of him being a good like professional, a good teammate, uh, he like has a lot of respect in the locker room. How do you think he'll do as a player manager or just as a manager? I feel like player manager is always a pretty difficult task, but like uh, in management, do you think he'll do okay? I do. Um, I think even the player manager thing, um, like a lot of people might not realize he already is kind of a player manager. He he does have. Um, a strong influence, uh, you know, on Ben, Nolan Sheldon as assistant coach uh, in trainings. He, he's very vocal on the field. I mean, his teammates will tell you that he regularly gives kind of instructions or overreport instructions back to the bench during games. Um, and Wayne, I think, like, uh, the reputation he's earned over the years has been this sort of, like, uh, hardworking, tough news player. I think maybe he's sort of uh, – uh, fits the stereotype that 
that mostly would apply to English soccer players, but um, actually a very smart guy and, and actually has uh, a higher degree of tactical understanding of what's going on in the field than anybody else on that team by, by good margin, you know? Um, so, yeah, and, and I also think um, he's the right age. It's going to sound sort of strange, but, you know, I, I had a conversation with Ben Olsen about this last year because Ben um, was part of the sort of last generation of players where you came up in these sort of no bullshit locker rooms, you know, Jim Curtin's not a good example. I, I sat down with him a couple of months ago and he said, you know, when I played for the fire, you know, back in the, whatever, late to the mid, 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 mid like 2005, 2007, nine, whatever. He was like, I would never dream of walking into Bob Bradley's office and like talking to the guy about some issue I had, you know? And, uh, and he was like, now, obviously there are kids in my office every day that need constant, sort of feedback and um i think wayne is is at a good age to where he's sort of experienced both you know i think he can like give certain players the kick in the ass if, if that's what they need you know but on the other hand he um he understands how to deal with players his age and players who are younger than him who you need to be more instructive and maybe a little bit softer in your tone to them you know so i think he's really really well equipped honestly i it didn't surprise me at all when i heard he was going to go into um, management, you know, I didn't think it would be this soon, but, um, but yeah, I think, I think he'll do well. We'll, we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, and then one more DC question for you. It is about Luciano Acosta. Uh, he's only started two games in, he started two games in July, I think two games in August, none in September, mostly substitute appearances. Do you have an idea what has happened there? Um, I mean, a couple of things. I think Lucho is, and he would admit that he's not had his best year. Obviously I've been dealing with, um, a lot since, you know, the mood the PSG fell through and, um, you know, just, just some other things, but, but also, um, you know, this is, this is me speculating, um, Taylor, but like, I think he, I think there's something about the American soccer fan and soccer coach that sees a player during the run of play walking and is just like, no, that's lazy. You have to be running at all times. It sort of cracks me up because, um, you know, Johan Cruyff played for the Washington Diplomats here in D.C., so you're talking about, like, the greatest midfielder ever to play the game. For my money, maybe the greatest player in history. And yeah. Who hated um, running. You read the Wash- yeah, you read the Washington Post coverage of him at the time, and they say, like, why isn't he running? <laughs> and it's like, this is a dude who has a bigger soccer brain. His brain should be, like, preserved in formaldehyde in some institution, you know? <laughs> so I think um, players like, uh, like Lucho... Leo Hara, Lynn O'Hara is another guy who's sort of falling in the doghouse as the year has worn on. I do think they suffer from maybe that perception, um, both from fans and sometimes from the coaching staff, where it's like they want them to quote unquote try harder, something like that. It's not that they're not trying. I mean, a lot of times it makes sense to watch, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, um, but it, like I said, I think it's a distinctly American thing where it's like, oh, that guy's lazy. Um, that isn't the case. So I, I do think that some of that has kind of um, bled onto Lucho as well. Uh, one thing I'll say is, it's purely my opinion, just from having watched all their games this year, you have to get them on the field. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, man. Like, if your attitude and, and Ben and Ben's not the only, many MLS coaches use a refrain, oh, well, you have to have your best 11 players in the field. I, I'm just trying to put my best 11 players out there. There is no way that you can tell me in any given circumstance that it costs a, isn't a better player than any number of people on the field 
um, who, who are playing in the positions that he can play in. And um, he's also that sort of, you know, kind of mercurial player that's, that's capable of these sort of moments of magic where he can, you know, have drifted in and out of the game. And then all of a sudden just he, he turns it on and has some crazy moments. So I don't anticipate that Ben's going to start starting him anytime soon. Um, I do think it's a mistake not to, but, but uh, then again, I don't get paid to coach a soccer team. So, so who knows? <laughs> Uh, so DC maybe have not always been uh, so entertaining this season. Uh, who have been your favorite teams to watch uh, for whatever reason? Ooh, uh, I'm gonna say I would say Philly. I think that's like 85 percent to do with Elsinio, who is um, easily my favorite player to watch in MLS. He's just like in full video game mode at all times. And I think Philly has played really proactively this year, um, you know, pressing, hitting on the counter. They, they, you know, they, they've, uh, uh, do lovely like combining to midfield, that sort of stuff. So I've loved watching Philly. San Jose might be a sleeper pick. Actually, it's probably not even a sleeper pick at this point. I mean, I think they've sort of like, um, kind of with the league on fire when it comes to expectations and like what was expected out of them. Um, San Jose, NYCFC, I've liked watching a lot. I mean, LAFC is the op- the obvious answer, mm-hmm. man. They're just like, uh, you know, it's just like they're. It might be the best team in MLS history, and you know, obviously enjoyable to watch. Um, that's pretty much it, man. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> you know, like, I watch I watch every LA Galaxy game just because I I gawk at Blockon like everybody else does, <laughs> you know. Um, but they haven't been particularly fun to watch. Uh, I guess they've had some interesting ones, but you know. If it's Laton versus Ilsenio, do you know who you're going to be rooting for? I think I think Ilsenio makes mincemeat out of Laton. I mean, like I think Ilsenio embarrasses Laton. The only way that that doesn't happen is if Laton just resorts to physical violence. You know, um, <laughs> he would never so, do that. Look, That's like, not his style at all. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I might I might catch some flack for saying it, but I'll I'll, I'll choose to watch Ilsenio versus Laton any other week. Um, and, and are there two teams? Are there like? Is there any combination of teams that you would most like to see in MLS Cup final? Because uh, right now it feels like it's going to be Philly Atlanta playing one of the LAs, uh, and I'm not sure I would have any problems with that. But you, you tend to watch the league, or you certainly watch the league more than I do. So I'm wondering if there's like a matchup uh, that you would particularly fan- enjoy, like my fantasy matchup um, from like a Schadenfreude uh, perspective. is definitely LAFC. No, it would be so. It wouldn't be. It would be Seattle NYCFC at Yankee Stadium. <laughs> so I want like an MLS Cup in a baseball stadium. I think that is like uh, I'm like physically excited by that Taylor. <laughs> so like um, if I had to pick just like the best matchup, probably probably LAFC. Maybe LAFC Philly or LAFC Atlanta. One of the two. Yeah. I. I am. I, I have seen people suggesting that there's an outside chance that NYCFC could end up hosting it, and that would be both hilarious and terrible all at once. I, I do not want to watch that I, camera angle. It's not really. An, I mean, I, it is an outside chance in a way, but it's also not. And that the only team that has a better record than them is LA. True. So if LAFC get eliminated and New York made the final, it's going to be there. You know. So I'm. I yeah. My fingers are all of my fingers are crossed completely. <laughs> All right, so we'll see if that happens. If that happens, we'll definitely have you back on. My final question for you, uh, I wanted to get to. Uh, Maradona is 
not my favorite player. I think probably Cruyff is up there for me, <laughs> but I have been intrigued by the Maradona documentary. I think you got to see it already, so I'm I'm wondering how it is. Oh, it's fantastic. I, I didn't I didn't realize. I mean, I'd say eighty five to ninety percent of it centers around his time at uh, Napoli mm-hmm. and Serie A. So the you know I I want to say like 80, 80, 84, 85 to ninety one. Um, and it's it's incredible. I didn't really realize he was owned by the mob. Essentially, so I didn't know that either. Um, it, yeah, yeah. It really it really dives deep into his uh, um how crazy his time was there, and they you know that they interviewed everybody aside from you know they. First, I, I didn't realize that Maradona was part of the documentary. Um, they got quite a bit from him, and they got you know all of his old teammates, coaches, the owner of Napoli, his ex-wife. Uh, you know the women that he cheated on his ex-wife with, his children. Um, it is it is fantastic. It's also done in a way where they never show the interview subjects, and you just hear their voices, which I also sort of love. It's uh, the movie's done entirely with archival footage, um, and it is it is next level, man. That's 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 a must-watch. I think it's, it comes out October first on HBO or something. So uh, that's one that you guys get, you know, definitely have to catch. All right. I, I am in for that one. Uh, I enjoyed getting to hang out with you uh, this weekend and watching you go partial to Fulmingo. And thank you very much, Papa, for uh, for <laughs> taking the time to chat today. Uh, hopefully we can have you back on again uh, in the near future. Anytime, man. Thanks.